came like a king and lived like a legend. That's one of the most stupid questions. Ciao, listener. Welcome to Italian Wednesday. We have a lot this week in Serie A. We're going to discuss it all. Milan and Inter, they have so big games ahead, both on the, during the week and the weekend. This and much more in today's Italian Wednesday at the Worst Football Podcast. So welcome, listener, to Italian Wednesday at the Worst Football Podcast. Here we are, another week and two match days in Italy. For that, we need Marco and especially Ste's help. Ste, can we wait from this week? Well, Alex, there is literally no time to rest this week because once again we have the, the midweek match and the weekend match and uh, both uh, our dates are going to be crazy, crazy, really. So to start with, uh, we have the Wednesday big match which is going to be Milan-Juventus. Now, uh, both Milan and Juventus won uh, last weekend's match. Uh, Juventus won 4-1 against Udinese and Milan 0-2 against Benevento. Uh, both were uh, what I would call the deserved wins, uh, even though the Milan match was quite difficult because uh, Sandro Tonali from AC Milan got a red card at minute 31st. And so I think that uh, Milan and Juventus are now on a different situation with regard to the actual team they are able to put on the field because Juventus has most of its uh, players available, unlike AC Milan has a lot of uh, key players either injured or disqualified now. So I would say this is going to be a huge factor for the, for the match. And uh, considering this, I would say that even though AC Milan is still first on the ladder, uh, Juventus is going to be favorite this time. What's your take, guys? Uh, for me, it's 100% how you just said. Um, the lack of key players in Milan was well managed by Pioli, by not in making it impact too much the performances over the past three wins, for instance. Um, yet, I think against Juventus, who just found a very informed Ronaldo after the Christmas holidays, uh, and at the same time, also some balance over the past game, right? I think that's, that's definitely going to be a factor. Then again, if we need also to look at the fact that who they were playing against, right? Udinese is probably not the strongest opponent this season. Uh, so we need to see how Juventus will perform against the big ones. Um, let's not forget that they were just coming from a 3-0 loss against Fiorentina. Another not too informed team. So sometimes you, you, you might end up having very skewed results. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think the key here is going to be, once again, the, the Portuguese um, best player or, or, or top player, if you wish. It's really going to be about how Milan can block Ronaldo. Uh, how much space will be given to him. And if I have to pick another one that I think is going to be key, it's going to be on the on the wing, the matchup between Teo, Hernandez, and Cuadrado. Whomever is going to win, is, is whomever is going to win that wing, that's going to be key for the team because both teams uh, prefer to play on that that one wing. So left wing for Milan and right wing on, on for, for Juventus. And I think winning that, that matchup is gonna be is gonna put the, the, one of the two teams heavily on in the advantages position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially considering how uh, Teo Hernandez has been crucial for Milan, perhaps perhaps even more than uh, the last last year, I would say. 
So yeah, and um, you have anything to to add, Alex? Yes, basically, I'm quite curious to see um, now that uh, that Juventus is against the ropes, how they will react. For a simple reason, should they lose against uh, Milan, they could be going to sleep on Wednesday, sitting in seventh. Yes. Yeah. Because because uh, Sassuolo and uh, and Atalanta are both at uh, at. Uh, uh, less than three points. So should they win their games, which are highly winnable, uh, you know, Atalanta against Parma and uh, Sassuolo against Genoa, they uh, they could be going to bed in seventh. Yes. It, it is actually um, one of those high-pressure games that I am not used to see uh, Juve playing. So yeah. I wonder and, how they will react. And that would be yeah. 10 to 13 points, right? Like, we're halfway through, but 10 to 13 points is almost... A gap that that it's unclosable at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the stakes are very high, especially especially for Piru, I would say. And yeah, if uh, this was in England, they would already be writing "mind the gap, please mind the gap." <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that Juventus cannot even rest because after a meeting with AC Milan next Wednesday, they're going to meet uh, Sassuolo on Sunday, and we all know how Sassuolo has been proven to be a huge team this year even though last week they, they had a very bad loss against Atalanta. But um, that's just one, one hint. Because as we all know, Atalanta either wins like 5-0 or just plays horribly. So Atalanta is quite a weird team in that sense. And then we have uh, Inter Milan uh, scoring one of those tennis results, meaning a 6-2 against Crotone. So a uh, very, very impressive match by, by Altaro Martinez especially, but by the whole team in general. Even Lukaku, we saw a Lukaku um, who, rather than scoring a lot of goals, served a lot of assists and worked a lot for the team. And uh, again, uh, Hakimi, who is not a surprise anymore, of course, if he ever was. And now uh, Inter Milan is going to be um, against Sampdoria in the middle of the week and against Roma in, on Sunday. So uh, both matches are not going to be easy because we all know that Ranieri's Sampdoria is doing fine this year. But of course, the, the big match among the two is going to be on Sunday against uh, Roma, which is also doing not, uh, not bad. How do you see uh, Roma against Inter, guys? I think Roma is the surprise. Um, we were talking no longer than three, four weeks ago about Fonseca not being as good as you know, fans were hoping, not being as strong as fans were hoping. Um, you, were, you were talking. You were talking. Yeah. The Italian <laughs> yes. so was, was labeling Fonseca as not convincing. Let me put it that way. Uh, he's just doing it. I mean, Jacob got back. The team has changed. Uh, despite a couple of hiccups for, from some players um, that are not performing as they should, he did manage to find in the collective what Roma is missing in the individuals, I think which is very important if you're looking at this team for the future. Um, and I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I believe it's, it's almost the opposite between Roma and Inter. Inter is really hanging on on the top players and winning with individuals, well-positioned individuals. Uh, and this is why, for instance, Eric, Ericsson didn't work, because he couldn't gel in this team of individuals, uh, Conte being one of them, of course. Um, and on the other hand, Roma, yes, they have players that have done better, like Mkhitaryan did very well this season, just to, just to name one. 
if I need to. But overall, the team is doing very well. Now also the youngster from Ibanez to Kumbula to VR are doing very well. And, and, and you can see how Fonseca is able to put one in and one out every week without really disrupting the team. And that's, I think, is the key of Roma's success this season, but potentially also for the future. Yeah, I think I think Roma is. Uh, I keep banging the drum for him, not only because he's Portuguese, but also because of that. But you know, the guy is his team is honestly Roma's team is shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the, the that's really the definition. And I say, I know we shouldn't say this in a podcast, but still, uh, I mean, their team that that, that played uh, most of it, who the hell is VR? I have no idea. I never heard about VR, but apparently he came for seven hundred k. From uh, uh, or uh, f- from uh, Elche for four million actually, not seven hundred k. But you know, the guy just comes and he slots in. So he created a team that fits the yep. system of this uh, three four two one uh, that that really really perfectly fits um, fits how the the team plays. So, and it reminds me a lot uh, about the. the my own team of sporting, you know, the technical system is the same. And it's no matter who the player is, it's a position that he needs to play. Not a player position, yep. it's a, the position in itself. And you can rotate the players because all of them are the same level. So would you Precisely. say that uh, that Roma is similar to AC Milan in this sense? Meaning that uh, even in AC Milan, there are different players who, can, who will do the same role when uh, interchanged? Yes, with the difference that you know, I see Milan at least has some good players every uh, here and there. Uh, you know, and this okay, you have you have Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini supporting supporting Jacob. Mkhitaryan is in the mm-hmm. form of his life. Let's admit that. But Cardrop and Bruno Perez. Bruno Perez was a season <laughs> wonder. Uh, you know. I mean, the whole defense is Ibanez. He's a young Villar. Who the hell is he? Smalling is one of the best center backs now. I mean, uh, it's it's. Yeah. If you go player by player, a Milan team is way better than this Roma team. But the idea yeah. is, the same. I think he created that. I think he managed to create a philosophy, and that that will pay off a lot in the long run. He came with a different idea. He wanted to play more on the wings. Last year he tried, didn't work out. Possibly also a little bit of the clash with the Italian league, right? Different way of defending, etc. He was very clever in not being stuck with a single idea and also very bold with the management in changing a lot. Because if we think about who were the hopes of of, uh, Roma two seasons ago, we would have definitely identified Clauver, we would definitely identified Censigunder, and we would probably identified Cristante. Now, Cristante is relegated to a well, one of the team, but definitely not the key. Uh, often he played as a central defender because he's uh, underperforming. And at the same time, the other two are not there no more. Zaniolo grew up, destroyed his knees, so unlucky for him, right? But he did manage to change the team upside down, uh, not just in the players, but also in tactical style, with a, with a couple of key ones, like Jacob up front, like... Uh, player from England coming in to increase and, and help the youngster to grow. And you mentioned Smalling, you mentioned Mkhitaryan, but we also have Pedro that, um, well, not an amazing season, but either way, he has a lot of experience to bring to the team. And I think it's a nice gel of youngster and experienced people so that the youngster can grow uh, while being supported by, by, by players that know and have experienced more uh, beforehand. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think I share what you what you say, Marco. And uh, just to finish today's episode, I would focus a little bit on Napoli, because even though we see that Napoli is nine points from the top of the ladder, they still have the match against Juventus to to recover. And uh, in the in this week, they're going to have two very accessible matches. The first one being uh, against Spezia in Napoli, and the second one being against uh, Udinese in Udine. I think that, uh, honestly, Napoli can be one of the top competitors for the title this year. Because um, their, their play has been uh, um, very good, except for a few occasions in which it simply did not work. And uh, we all know that the team is very motivated. And now even more, because uh, they like the reader Gattuso, and now, uh, unfortunately, um, the news reported that Gattuso suffered from a disease, which is impairing his sight. And uh, the, the team seems to be really motivated to try to win this year, or at least to, to, do, to perform very good. And um, while it seems uh, obvious, or at least likely, that Napoli will take the upcoming two matches, do you think, guys, that Napoli can compete with the other top teams for the title and not just for the Champions League qualification? I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think Napoli missed a thing, a strong management behind. When when you just read what happened this very this very week with uh, Osimen, who is the youngster they bought up front, uh, who was uh, freed up for the Christmas holiday as he's injured, going back to his home country and throwing a, a huge party for his birthday, uh, not even being fined by the management because they're like, oh no, he's our top player. We, we Marco, sorry, him. but this just feels like an anticipated meme section of the day, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit it does. But if, if we really look at these, I think there, there's a key, a, a key gap here. Gattuso is doing wonders despite his physical condition, as you mentioned, not being there in keeping the team up, up top. If we look at the individuals, I think there's many players that are super compared to Inter, compared to Juventus. Uh, yet he did manage to bring the team up from the destruction, I would say, that, that Ancelotti left with each and every single player uh, being worth at the very least 10 million more than when Ancelotti was there. So uh, kudos for him. I think the gap is not in the individuals, it's not in the manager, it's just in the club as a whole. I will, though, one thing I would say against Marco's point is the, the one about the party. Because if you look at the more structured clubs where they have a lot of money, they did the same or even worse. Neymar had uh, 150 people over for a party in Brazil. And, you know, it's PSG, you know, and highly controlled club. So I think it's an individual mentality, although I will agree with you. The idea behind the whole Napoli essence of, of, of playing, uh, they're capable of playing the most beautiful game and also... Uh, you see in the results, they don't have a draws issue, they have a losing issue. So it's either they're either there or they're not on their day and they will lose. So that's more the issue of, of Napoli. Uh, but I think this week, more than Napoli, this is the most decisive week of Serie A so far because it is a test on, on the Lombardia. You know, how will the teams of Milan cope on, uh, on Wednesday and in the weekend? This more than the gap is created now is can they hold their position or will they now succumb to the pressure from the ones behind? So that's that's the very interesting weekend. Yeah, and I can't wait for watching both matches. So uh, it is all for today, guys. Uh, but before, as always, meme section of the day.
So uh, imagine that the Italian government every year prepares this decree, which allows top teams, or I mean, I mean all teams, but um, especially um, favors, especially top teams, to just engage foreign players and having very, very substantial uh, tax reductions and advantages. And every year there is this decree, which then gets converted into law. And the teams know that, and so they want to take advantage of this degree, and they hire a lot of foreign expensive players, such as, I don't know, uh, Delict, Rabiot, uh, Ibrahimovic, Lukaku, and so a lot of players. Once again, this degree is enacted. But then, for no reason and without any explanations from the authority, the decree does not convert it into law. And so its provisions disappear in a retroactive way. <laughs> What would be your first thought if you were the president of a top team in this situation? If I was to be, if I were to be Italian, I would be like, yeah, I knew that. If I were to be one of the American, Chinese, and, and you name it, president that came into Serie A, finally bringing more money, bringing more uh, wealth to the league, I would just be so disappointed. You're <laughs> planning for something. You're being told that if you get a, Top tier player um, to to your to your league, you're gonna have fifty percent, thirty percent tax discount, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is. And suddenly, after six months, you're being told, "Yeah, that's no more." And now there's COVID, so less income, and now you suddenly have also thirty percent extra costs. Yeah, who's gonna pay for it? That's gonna be a big question mark because contracts are usually. Um, as, as, as a lord, right? You don't have the net amount that you pay to the player. But that, that's going to be a big question mark. Who's going to pay for this lack of transparency from the government? The team or the players? Yes, and nobody knows the reason like for this reviremont. Uh, nobody explained it. And uh, it might also have happened that they simply forgot to uh, uh, attach the, new, the provisions into the law and thus converting the decree. So there's... <laughs> this is really weird and must be so frustrating for uh, for management. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. This was it for today, and uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.